Life gets hard sometimes, so grab your weighted blanket and let's talk about it. Sorry, what? What if we just started introducing ourselves as like random, like uh, random professions that we are not? Like, <laughs> Julia Skeggs is a beekeeper. <laughs> everything, everything you want to know about the reproductive cycle of bees. <laughs> <laughs> and Jackie Jurena is a flight attendant specializing in uh, kid-free flights. And this is Weighted Blanket Happy wow. Hour. <laughs> I, would pay, I would pay extra for a kid-free flight. They're apparently, they're apparently like uh, starting, to, starting to book child-free flights so that people don't have to <laughs> deal with children. Oh, nice. Sign me up. I want Sign me so up. badly. Uh, for our audience members, you may hear that we are joined um, by a guest today. Uh, we are joined today by Kelsey McGrath. They then, Ooh. Kelsey is a producer, arts administrative, and creative in Chicago, but they're dreaming about living and working nomadically. They've worn a lot of hats in Chicago theater community. I mean, if you've worked in Chicago theater and any of the, the, the bigger small houses, you've probably seen Kelsey, either behind the scenes or on stage or in the audience, and they love sharing their experience of trial and error with the world. You can find them at Kelsey Looks on Instagram. So welcome to the show. Kelsey, what brings you here today? <laughs> um, anxiety, Julia. Uh, that's, that's, what I, that's what we're here to talk about. Oh, wow. You're in yeah. the right place. <laughs> Less. Uh, just to speak about the trial and error, I find myself very um, an expert in this field of anxiety. Uh, just really talking about my early 20s and being creative and all the things that I have done and tried and all of the feelings that have come with that. Um, so, yeah, I got a lot. I, I feel like I have a lot to give as far as that conversation goes. Oh, as a fellow creative. I know it. Uh, so how 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 far back does uh does the anxiety? When's like the first time you remember um really having um anxiety pop up in your life? Um, so I remember so vividly being in the car with my college roommates, my senior year of college, on the way to the Walmart in uh Urbana, which mm. or Champagne, which you might be familiar with. Oh, fun fact: uh, we just had Lisa Dixon on last week. I saw that. Lisa, I'm an angel. Um, yeah, and I just remember we were having a conversation about money. And for me, um, I don't know, for some reason, like the energy and like the space and like the way that they felt about their situations. And I mean, I have always worked through, I worked through college. My first job, I was 19. I was working in a donut shop on the weekends from the 4 a.m. to 10 a.m. shift. And then I cleaned houses during the week, you know, like it was, and so it was just really interesting to hear, you know, them talking about that. And then thinking about like, like, I don't know, just having it land in a very tender place and then kind of being like, Oh shit, like that's something I really need to like worry about and think about and all of this stuff. And that in, and so that was like, I want to say that was like in winter or so of senior year. And then it just kind of compounded and exacerbated and took different forms since then. But I do want to say that this pat like last year at this point, fall 2020, I, I asked my mom to bring all my journals from high school back to Chicago, which was like well over 40 journals. <laughs> like I was a huge 
writer. And I just began reading through them and it just gave me such a, an interesting insight of like who I actually was then, which was capital A anxiety. (laughs) Right. Oh, you were going through it, not just through it, but like over it and under it and like trying to be like a person in this place that like didn't give you space to do any of those things or have the vocabulary to recognize it. And then like being a fan in high school, like, I don't know, there's just like its own set of expectations. And then you start dating and that's like a whole thing. And just like acknowledging and realizing that that's in that moment, I was like trying so hard to be someone else and trying so hard to like be this like perfect idea of who I thought I should be and how I thought I should show up. Mm-hmm. Um, just like seeing that in the writing and just being able to like be who I am now and be like, like, it's okay. You know, you'll like, you'll, you'll be, you'll grow up into someone who's really dope and like better who you could even like imagine, you know, whatever this perfect idea is. Your journals remind me of, have you seen on our Instagram, the, the little mini series that Julia and I did? Where I she, oh she, she read a bunch of like old journal. I never, I never journaled in high school. I wish I had, I would have had some crazy ass shit to read, but Julia journaled in high school and she has all of these entries and it is just the portrait of young mental illness. Yeah. Teenage Kelsey and Julia would have. Yeah, we would been honestly. It would have been a competition of whose anxiety is worse, honestly. And oh my God. did you did you have a feeling of like at first you were like, oh, I'm so excited to like this is such a great reflective exercise to read about me and my younger version, and then you read and it's like, okay, so all I write about is boys, my weight, what I eat, and how I'm not doing enough. Oh my God. Yes. I'm like, honey, I know you've got more going on than this, but like, my (laughs) God, was that like all that was all that was going on the front of my brain? Because especially like when you are growing up as a young femme, you're you're like, you're told that that is all that your worth will be measured by. It's like the preoccupation with attractiveness, like Mm -hmm. something that, that really came up for me. I visited my dad in Arizona um, March of this year. And like, I, like I, I had, I gave him like a headshot, you know, like I said, I was, I, of course, cause I had like piles of headshots that like I, that were printed off that, you know, really didn't really have any more use to them. Uh, and I sent it to him. I was like, here, dad, I'm going to sign it. I'm going to send it to you. My dad's sentimental like that. Um, so I sent it to him. And when I got, when I visited him, the first thing, you know, the first thing he said was like, I couldn't, I couldn't believe how beautiful you were. Like, I couldn't believe, you know, like talking about, beauty as like the prime primary value you bring to whatever dynamic you enter. And often I try to tell my dad about the, the work that I do. Um, but it, it just never seems to like matter as much as the kind of things that you're talking about, Julia, of like how attractive we are. Like I, I have to say that when I was 18 for my high school photos, my aunt called me a sex kitten because I had this pose. I was like, I thought it was really fucking cute and I loved it. Cause yes. I had these blue, cute, blue heels and this like dress that I loved. But like one of the poses that I did, I was like on my stomach with my like chin on my hands and my elbows up and like my legs, you know, like a, a person would lay on their stomach. And that comment, like 
never left me. I was like, I can't believe that this is what you see when you look at an 18 year old. Like, I'm not just like always stuck with me. It's so gross. I know. And now I have the vocabulary and awareness to be like, that was not okay. Well, was yeah. it was it like, was that an attempt to be complimentary? Because I've had people do that where it's like older, mm-hmm. older people being like, <laughs> like, like to teenage be like, oh, look at you mature and you're getting little boobies and everything. And I'm like, why are you telling me this? Oh my God. I, I have, I have the best one when I was 15. 15 or 16 in a community theater show one summer, one of the older men, like white haired ensemble members told me, he was like, if I was your age, I definitely date you. And I was like, I don't need to hear this right now. No, 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 no. The audacity. Yeah. Yeah. Like when it comes to like sexualizing young women, like I remember like one of the first times that I got catcalled, I was out in the front lawn, like watering my dad's flowers. And I came in and complained to my mom and she's like, well, you're wearing your Daisy Duke shorts. Like I'm wearing my Kohl's 12 inch, like inseam, like Bermuda shorts. Like and I am a child. I am 16 years old. Like, what what do you want me to do what do you right? want me to do like they're the ones they're the ones that verbally abused me not me i was just out minding my own business like Absolutely. and it's fucking hot outside and i will wear yes. daisy jukes dukes if it's hot outside but it's just yeah just like like sexualizing femme identifying persons at a young age and then it's like oh well like all these people have this expectation for me i better keep it up or keep it going if I want to remain relevant, if I'm going to have a chance at survival in this community or or whatever. It's just so, there's just so many other things I could have been doing. There's just an an inherited like hypervigilance that comes with like being being raised, being socialized as a femme person. It's a yeah, lot. and I don't I don't blame my my mom because I know that she was raised that way too, and so she carried that anxiety of her looks from her mom, and her mom probably carried it. And there's probably some like evolutionary like need that we had back then in order to survive. But my God, 2021, can we just? Stop. Stop. Can we just, yeah, that's like, I mean, that's something that I acknowledge and like notice about my mom too, of just like the continued preoccupation with how much she weighs and like the value that she assigns, you know, the victory, the goodness she feels when she can lose some arbitrary number of pounds. And I'm just like, and, and just in high school, like returning to that, like that was the only, you know, I just, uh, my mom was a single mom. And so I lived with her, like being an only child that was like, she was, you know, the person who, who was my influence, you know, who I had to model myself after. And so the, I, I too was in my writing really preoccupied with losing weight, with like, with being with boys and like feeling attractive and with um, I, just like, to me, just like this idea, like, I just remember, I always have this vision of who I wanted to be and how like perfect they were and whatever that meant and how arbitrary that is. But for some reason, like I wanted to be, I, I know too that I always wanted to leave. Like I, I'm from Joliet. I'm from like a Southwest suburb of Chicago and I always wanted to go, but I never felt like 
there was anyone like any place that would take me you know and it's just like and it's so interesting that you know the the benchmark of success is attractiveness is boys is you know whatever um we're yeah like what you were saying we could be spending all this time and energy talking about our, our brilliance and you know what we can contribute to society and how what we're good at is really beneficial like it took me so long to understand that like work does not have to be laborious you know with your hands like you can do work like you know with your mind and that that and or like with art like art is work and emotional labor is work and how all of that contributes to this like ecosystem and how there's all like value in all of that and like there was never like that was never a conversation that was never a thought and introduction into my head like until like pretty recently actually so yeah yeah it was wild reading those journals was like i i just really wanted to like hug that the little baby so deeply yeah so you've, you've obviously been on a journey of of self-discovery and self-awareness what uh what what triggered the transition from like obsessed teen uh, obsessed with all of the vapid things teenager to a more mature adult oh man so many things um i i i don't know like i think you know once i got to undergrad i went to U of I in champagne like there was a kind of big fish in a small pond thing, especially because our theater department is smaller and like you could kind of do whatever you wanted. And I like did theater and I did media and I did leadership and I was just like doing all these things that I enjoyed and that I was good at. Um, and that was great. And it worked well for me and I got to experiment with all these things that I was interested in, you know, um, like I, I started in undeclared because I was just like, this world is so big and I want to learn about all this stuff. Um, so after, I think for me, it was after graduation where everything kind of really just like came crashing down because I was like, I'm going to get a job in theater and I'm going to be like a professional dramaturg immediately. And that's how that's going to happen. You know, like you have this like ideal trajectory of what you think your life is going to be. And like, I mean, for me, I, one of my first internships after undergrad was with the good men. I was an intern. I was literary intern with the good men. And that was like, it was honestly like a very traumatic experience and a time Ooh. where uh, my anxiety exploded you know I was it it was maybe like the winter after I graduated um I moved out to LA and moved back because I didn't know what I was doing um I went I got this internship and I was like oh it's a gunman like this is a big deal you know like I don't know what the fuck I was doing like and I, I didn't know anything about Chicago theater and I'm like over here like I'm a two-hour metro ride away so that's what I did every day was they, like do full-time work and get paid $150 by a company like per, per month uh, and it just like with that along with my colleagues of just being so stressed out about you know jobs like what do we do after and not really feeling like I had the guidance or you know uh, someone being like hey you look lost do you need help you know we, we kind of just like had to fend for ourselves in that way and it just didn't feel you know it just felt like we were kind of doggy paddling in a hurricane kind of. And it was just like real. And, and honestly, I was like, if this what theater is, I don't want to be a part of it. I, I didn't go to theater again for another year and a half after the Goodman because I was just like, Oh, absolutely not. Like we, we will not be a part of this. Like it was just so inaccessible to me, like uh, operationally and just like, and because I didn't know anything about it. I mean, I did get to see a lot of theater just because I was, 
in that conversation. And that was cool. And just like being introduced to all these different storefronts and all these amazing groups that are doing different kinds of art, but just the way that everything was functioning was like, so it, it, I just like felt so out of place, you know, not only um, because I come from a, a place that's not kind of uh, like where I, where I come from is like lower middle class. So it's definitely not a place that has a theater in town. You know, I didn't do community theater. I didn't see my first play until college. So see like being in the Goodman and seeing all this wealth and this money being spent and the stories being told, it was just, to me, the messaging was that this place was not for me. You know, and so kind of like having to deal with that as well and being like, oh, I thought my life was going to be this way. And then it's just like, oh, wait, no, I guess not. You know, so then I like that's when I worked at Starbucks for like six months. Um, We love a Starbucks story. And I did meet some of my closest theater friends there. Um, And then uh, I worked at Uber and their customer service. But I worked like the 3 p.m. to 12 a.m. shift. And I did that for a few months. And that was fun. Um, And then I worked. And then that's when I decided to do uh, go into advertising. And so I went to an advertising portfolio school for three weeks. And I worked four part-time jobs as a dog bather. uh, I, I worked in a cafe. I worked as a cocktail waitress. And I worked one other place. And then I went go to school in the evenings. And then after three weeks, I was like, oh, no, I can't. Um, <laughs> it was like, it was like, you know, with creativity, it's like, I, I don't know. And this is something that I've kind of struggled with. was like, I, I don't know what about theater that just like continually draw and like drew me back in. You know, like advertising is so creative and there's so many like smart, interesting people in there. And they they do good because they have the money to do good. You know, they, they are able to um do pro bono work and like raise awareness and and money for causes and things that really impact the world but like i just kept coming back to like storefront i just kept coming back and then it had to be like a okay what about this what about this is like so important that you have to do it um i feel like i'm getting off topic no not at all i mean i mean like you are you are singing the song of every creative i mean like geez i thought my background was diverse um, but that's the thing is that you're not going to know until you try and you did. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And I mean, like after I decided to stop that advertising wasn't what I wanted to do, that's when I, um, one of my connections back from the Goodman internship that I did, like a co-director that I worked with asked me to be a dramaturg with Venus and for with circle theater. And so that was my first kind of like official professional because I studied dramaturgy in undergrad and that was like my bread and butter um and that was such a great experience I really loved the people I met um I loved like the creative agency to be able to do what I wanted to do like we were in the Heartland studio with that little baby like baby lobby and so I like transformed this lobby into Venus's den and it was like so cool um and then I started writing I started doing reviews for performing and new city stages and so that's when I really got to go see like I, I was seeing like three to four shows a week and I was just getting to know like who is like who's who, like who, what kind of work different places do and just being able to talk about like what is like criticism and like what what is the, the rubric that we bring and why. And just being like very, um, I, I felt like for me, criticism was always like, uh, kind of like we have to meet the work where it's at and we have to be, um mindful of the biases we carry just as reviewers and like inserting that into the writing that we do and the the understanding um 
And after that, like, I, I don't remember my like chronology of jobs because I've had like over 20 of them. I swear, I swear. But I ended up working at Guaranteed Right in like a basement, like doing paperwork, something. I don't know. But like at one point, I was listening to this book and I, I feel like y'all might know it. It's called You Are a Badass. Oh, like, uh, yes. Yeah. I like really, it really resonated with me because I was like in this basement working like eight hours a day, like listening to podcasts and listening to audiobooks all day. And that book just like really inspired me. And that's where I got my inspiration to do the show that I produced for a year called The Newness. And I was just like, I was like, fuck it. Like I, so I quit my job and I took out a loan uh, for like $15,000 and I like went to bartending school and I like got my bartending certificate. I'm like, well, we're going to, we're going to figure it out. I like took a voiceover class at green studio. I like did something else with like black box and like, I don't remember. I also like did black box Academy in like 2017. And then I did, I like worked at victory gardens and worked at like straw dog. And I worked at like all these places as a bartender and Steve as a bartender. And that's just like, kind of it was kind of the lunch pad of like where I'm at now I mean after producing my show for a year just um I I do producing professionally now and it's just like I don't know like thinking about I'm 29 right now and like I'm about to turn 30 and being like oh like what what have I done what what like the trial and error the like oh, let me try all like this and see if that works. Let me try this and see if that's good. Let me, like, how does this fit? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel like I'm, I'm constantly on that journey. Um, but, <laughs> but anxiety. Um, so I wanted to talk about this like moment that I had where I think I was like 24, 26, I was 26. And I was just like, I was just like at a moment. This was, I think this was the time where I had like four part-time jobs and I wasn't doing anything creative. And I was just like really angry at everyone for doing things that I wasn't doing. Um, so I spent my birthday money on a vibrator and a tarot reader from the- Honestly the- legit. <laughs> that, is the, that is the birthday combo of your mid-20s. Honestly. Mid-20s. Mm-hmm. It changed my life, fam. It changed my life. Like a I went to- vibrator will do that. <laughs> I like it was like a okay and it wasn't even that expensive it was like $45 but like that was a lot for me at the time you know what I mean I was just like okay let's do it um so I went to the I did that and then I went to the tarot reader above the myopic books in Wicker Park and she gave me a reading and she just looked at me and she was like why are you so angry and I just started sobbing you know yeah and it's just like uh, like she like read me right and when someone sees you when someone reads you like that and you're just like oh fuck you know it's just like that for me that was like how things started to change how things started to shift because it really got me thinking of like why am I so angry what am I holding in like what is and to me that like was manifest like anxiety depression you know of like being angry all the time and like just kind of like being sad and being like feeling helpless and like feeling you know just like internalizing things and in comparison and things like that and that was just like for me at an all-time high in that moment but kind of once she read me dragged me um that like really catalyzed something different but just like in the universe and in my life and things began to like open up in different ways and interesting ways and 
new ways. Um, and that was after I was an Uber driver for a hot second. And I was just like, oh no, we're done. Uh, you keep talking and all I can, all I can think of is, uh, have you heard that song on TikTok? That's like about, it's about ADHD or something, but it's the one that's like, can I interest you in everything all of the time? A little bit of everything all of the time. That one. <laughs> I love that. I have not heard that. It's so, it's, oh that it's, is actually from the Bo Burnham oh, is it? special okay, on Netflix. Inside, you should as as a as a newly depressed person, Jackie. You should newly diagnosed depressed person. You should definitely watch Inside by Bo Burnham. I don't want to though. I'm scared. Is the thing. <laughs> I'm scared. Yeah. Uh. Uh, I'm, I'm scared of emotions, as you know. Anyway, no, but I, I feel that, though. There's, like, there's this very big, you know, you, you, you did a lot of, you tried a lot of things. You put on a lot of different hats. But it's, like, there's this through line of, like, trying to find the thing that makes you happy. Trying to find right. the right thing. Yep. It's called, they don't call it a pursuit of happiness for nothing. I mean, I think because like I, I had a very similar, like, like, yeah, I waited tables. I bartended. I've worked in back offices for hotels and recruiting firms. And now I'm in marketing and it's like, yeah, like, like living all of those different lives, not knowing what my next year was going to look like, not knowing what kind of income I was going to have in the next month, that was full of anxiety. Yes. But I would choose that anxiety over being in a job for 10 years that was just not going to make me happy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, Kelsey, but like my parents, like they got jobs that were that lined up with their degrees right out of college. My mom was a nurse for 40 some years. And my dad, like my dad worked as a realtor for like 20 years. And I can't remember a time when they came home and were like, yeah, it was a good day. Like it was just Mm -hmm. always bitch and moan about work. And then when I would come to them bitch and moaning about my job, they'd be like, well, that, you know, that's why they call it's called working for a living. And I was like, I don't, I don't agree with that. Sucks though is the thing. I don't. That's called toxic. <laughs> I do not dream of labor. Like, yeah, I no. don't. I don't want the, okay, listen, I'm going to get on my soapbox for two seconds. Yeah. I don't want a job. I don't like living in capitalism. I'm lucky enough that I have a new job that like I like significantly better than my old job. But at the end of the day, I'm still doing admin. I was, un- I was like unemployed between jobs for one week. And for one glorious week, I had a bunch of like creative projects to work on. And I just chilled and watered my plants and did creative shit all day and i was like this is what i want damn it that sounds amazing Uh i love that kelsey this is the time in the show where we talk about our our self-care for the week so go ahead start us off let me let i'm i'm going to for for my self-care this week i'm going to give everybody the option of self-care discworld is a fantasy novel series by terry pratchett he wrote like in the 80s and 90s and this this shit is hilarious it's funny it's tongue-in-cheek it's hot it's like fantasy but with a satirical twist and also there are multiple trans characters and he treats them wonderfully and it's great we love that yes read Discworld it's better than Harry Potter thank you also there's like a shit ton of books there's so many of them it's like a 30 novel series (laughs) but it's not all one linear story there are like mini arcs in it so you can like read it by arc highly recommend anyway how about you Julia I love it I do want to give a PSA that it's okay to love Harry Potter, but dislike J.K. Rowling. 
is it, it though? Is okay. I think so. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it, it it kind of it kind of it kind of comes up with like when you think about like um um not um oh my god, please cut out my brain fart. Woody Allen or uh, Louis C.K. Like there was a time where I loved his stand up. I love Annie Hall. Like I think Annie Hall is one of the best films of all time. But then the thing came out about Woody Allen and I was like, yeah, I can't, I can't support any of his films going forward now that I know what I know. But in that time, like the, it's the nostalgia, right? Like yeah. when I was a young kid growing mm -hmm. up with Harry Potter and that helped me with growing, mm -hmm. that is, it is okay for me to still enjoy that literature because of that moment in my childhood. Mm -hmm. I can't read anything of hers coming out now. Um, super problematic, but I can love and appreciate what those books meant to me for my childhood. I like the way you put that. I, I can agree with that. And I think for me too, just witnessing how trans folks are like owning the work in that way as well. And like inserting themselves in the narrative later. There are a number of like trans cosplayers and uh, influencers that I follow on Instagram that love Harry Potter, you know, and are, will not, you know, surrender their love of that just because she's problematic. I think like as an artist, once you release your art into the wor world, like you, what is your agency over, you know, how people relate to that, yeah. you know? And so it's like, it's up to then the viewer, the audience to be like, this is what this means to me. So I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. It's that really, it's that really complicated thing of like, can you separate art from artist? And it's that, it's this weird thing. Cause it's like, you can't, but also you are exactly as you said, Kelsey, once you release something, it is no longer completely yours. It belongs to its audience. So mm -hmm. if there's while, while, you know, you as the author are inexplicably in, in inextricably uh, connected to it. It's also like, not your thing. So it's just, it's, it's a complicated matter and I respect everybody's feelings on it. However, I did try to reread Harry Potter as an adult and blatantly didn't like it. So that's fair. That's fair. See, I love, I love rereading it every five years. Every five years I have a new perspective on it. And I honestly am looking forward to when I have kids and, and reading it to them and then explaining to them why JK Rowling is a problematic human being. Like both of these things can exist. Life <laughs> there is a lesson in everything. It is anyway. So so off of the soapbox, um, my, that was my cat. That's fine. Um, my self care was turning my apartment into a basic bitch fall festival. Did you do fall decorations? Yay! Oh, let me just, let me just, just show you my new throw pillow. Oh, it says fall in love. That's so cute. <laughs> yes. I got these. Do you see these? They're pumpkins. Aww. Is that a table runner? Um, I it's it. This is a this is a napkin, but I do have a fall themed tablecloth now. Um, I have. Wait, hold on. I just I got this kind of pumpkin art from the Dollar Tree. It's, um, that makes me so happy. Julia, I mean, I'm so, I'm so glad you and Devin found shopping friends in each other. <laughs> Devin is a very dangerous person for me to be around when I'm in a TJ Maxx. <laughs> very dangerous. You know what? Legit. Do what you do, you girl. Yeah, my financial planner called and was like, um, you can't hang out anymore. <laughs> Anyway, but whatever it it brings me joy. So just let me have this. Yeah. So what was your self care, Cassie? 
Oh my gosh. I have to be honest, self-care is something I struggle with. Like being being really diligent about like setting aside time or so so to me, like self-care is ordering groceries and doing meal prep, you know, is literally is following a routine that I love and makes me feel good. And I have not done any of those. I guess here. Um, an exception. Uh, I have been on vacation for the past 10 days. Yes. Yeah, it's been really great. I like went to a wedding in the city, stayed downtown, and then I went to Disney World with my mom and her friends, and it was really cute. So I guess like for me, the self-care with that was like, I, I noticed that I was compulsively checking my phone for like work email. And like, so I had to really be like, stop checking your phone. <laughs> like stop checking work email. You were on vacation. You have a vacation responder. You're done. And so I think for me, that's what the self-care was. Also just like when I went in Disney, like not pushing myself to, you know what I mean? Just enjoying it as I wanted to, as opposed to feeling like I had to do a bunch of stuff at once. Um, yeah, that was my self-care for this this past week. That's lovely. I love that Grayson's trying to get on the podcast. Julia's cat is rubbing up against the microphone. Cat ASMR. Grayson, you can do ASMR? Grayson. They did it. I... Anyway, my I, I I'm back to seeing my therapist and the video, the virtual video turned on and it's it's her in this like cushy chair and then her cat is like just hanging out on top of this chair and I'm like That's so all right. fuck. I love that. And we were like getting into some like, you know, pretty serious stuff and then in the background her cat's just like kicking around this yoga ball in the background. <laughs> Honestly, wonderful. Anyway, thank you. Thank you, Kelsey, for um, for sharing this space with us today. It was so wonderful to catch up and just yeah. hear about your fabulous life. You're going to make a great nomad one day. I swear you got this yeah, stuff you, for you, it. You, you're going to be good at being a nomad. <laughs> you're, all, you're already like you've already done like 50 things. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it, y'all. This has been so lovely. So lovely to chat and share space. So we we sort of shouted out your uh, your Instagram at the top, but if people want to find you and your work and your art, where might they do that? Um, at Kelsey Looks is my IG, um, and then I have a cute little link tree to like my website and writing portfolio and all that good stuff. But yeah, the IG is the place to be. Cute, cute, love it. IG is the place to be. They should trademark that. Yes, anyway, but. Well, thanks again. And Julia, we want everybody to stay safe. And stay sane. And same time next week. <laughs>